Welcome to First Mile's Climate Heroes. I'm your host, Bruce Bratley, founder of recycling company First Mile. On this show, we meet and learn from the climate heroes who are building solutions right now to tackle climate change. Keep Britain Tidy is an environmental charity working at the heart of business, government and the community to empower us all to take action to improve our environment. Keep Britain Tidy has its work cut out. They campaign for us to reduce our consumption, create a litter-free society and work to eliminate fly-tipping. No mean feat when we're dropping 2 million pieces of litter every day and consume more and more each year. And to explain their brilliant work, I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Anna Scott to First Mile's Climate Heroes. Anna is responsible for overseeing the development and delivery of high-quality research innovation and evidence-based services at Keep Britain Tidy. Anna, welcome to First Mile's Climate Heroes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Anna, I want to start with your most recent campaign called Buy Nothing New Month. And this campaign is focused on wasting less rather than, as you say, wasting better. What is the campaign and why has Keep Britain Tidy launched it? So Buy Nothing New Month is running in January this year. Um, It's the first time we've run this campaign. And it's a month of uh, celebrating, inspiring, helping people to buy nothing new. And, you know, why should we do that? Why is that important? Well, The way we live in the UK, uh, in developed countries, where we buy lots of stuff, we consume lots of natural resources, it has a very detrimental impact on the environment. From manufacturing, packaging, shipping, delivery, delivery, every stage of getting that product made and in in our hands uses natural resources. It emits carbon dioxide, which is causing climate change. Uh, And added to that, at the end of it, when we throw that thing away, we have mountains of waste to deal with. So that collectively is having a huge impact on our environment. And we really need to change the way we live uh, in in the UK. So if everyone around the world live like the average person in the UK, we need 2.6 planets to live on, to, to give us all of the natural resources that we use and to absorb all that carbon dioxide we're producing. And that is inherently unsustainable. And the way in which we can reduce our impact is to simply to to buy less stuff. So we know that recycling is a great thing to do. Uh, Giving away stuff we don't want anymore is a great thing to do. But we need to do more than that and we need to buy less. And that's what Buy Nothing New Month is all about. And is there a reason you've done it in January? Is it because we're on the back of the mass consumerism at Christmas or is that just co- coincidental? We have, a, we have a busy busy year of, of, of different types of campaigns um, at Keep Britain Tidy. So there's an element of what can we fit in when in our calendar, but January certainly does seem like a good time to try and encourage people to get into, into new habits. But also I think lots of people do recognise the 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 excess of Christmas, the amount of things they're buying, uh, the money they're spending, the, the stuff they have in their homes can be quite overwhelming. So it seems a really good opportunity to try and get people into new habits and that they can carry on for the year. Okay, yeah, great. And I really like this distinction that you're making where the, the research that you undertook, the public think that 
wasting better. So, for example, recycling something rather than throwing it in a lay-by or recycling rather than putting it in a litter bin. This idea that they think they're doing the right thing by wasting better, which is moving material up the hierarchy by recycling it or potentially reusing it. But what you're saying is actually we need to take that to the next level because we're not really thinking about minimising waste. And the public, I think your research has shown that the public don't really have the toolkit to practice waste minimization and is that sort of a quite like that distinction between wasting better and wasting less yeah absolutely so the buy nothing new campaign came off the back of uh, a large uh, piece of research that we've been doing at keep grit and tidy over the past 12 months really in that in that research we really want to look at what people understood about waste prevention as opposed to recycling so we're talking about the reduce and reuse part of the three R's, which is reduce, reuse, recycle. So when we started that piece of work, we really felt that actually we have lots of experience of talking to people about waste and their impact on the environment. And people always default to recycling. It's always recycling is the solution. We need to be able to recycle more things and better facilities, etc. And that really got us thinking and really thought we actually we want to we want to unpick that a bit more. We want to specifically focus on that issue and really explore that with a mind to, you know, if people do default to recycling, how can we shift them up the waste hierarchy? How can we get them reducing and reusing uh, as well as recycling? This isn't about recycling being a bad thing. It's very important that we do that, that we carry on. But there are better things that we can do to reduce our environmental impact. And actually, what we found through our research was was really quite striking in that the majority of people conceive waste as the thing they are throwing away in the bin that they are not recycling. So if they are recycling it, it's not perceived so much to, to be to be waste. And in that sense, people think of waste as something to be managed, i.e. through recycling, rather than prevented in the first place by not having the thing or reusing the thing that they that they already have. This is very interesting, actually, because I first came across this a few years ago with a client when I went to see their sustainability team, and they said, yeah, we want to get zero waste in two years or three years or something. And it's a massive business. And I was like, how are you going to get to zero waste? Because you've got all this sort of food on the go and all these things happening. It would just require massive change. And they actually meant that, which was they wanted to have no waste in the waste bin, which was still a, a big challenge, um, which I found initially very confusing. Yeah, so, so you know, recycling is still waste. It's still, it's still a stream to be dealt with that requires energy and, and resources to go into it. And it's obviously far better than throwing it away to, to go to landfill being the worst thing or to be... Uh, to go to energy from waste, which is which is better um, than landfill, but it's still to be dealt with. It's still it's still waste. You're still managing that waste. You're not preventing it. So the majority of people do think of recycling as being waste prevention, which it's strictly speaking, it's not. And so ultimately, we found there's this, there's a, a very uh, significant. fundamental misunderstanding of the waste hierarchy of that reduce, reuse, recycle. And we feel that while while that remains, that is a huge barrier to shifting people up the waste hierarchy to to waste prevention. Why would you buy less if you think that you're doing your bit by 
recycling. And that's not really been been recognised before within the industry. So I think anyone who who works in this sector should, you know, be be proud of the strides that we've taken in this country over the last 20 years around recycling. We there's still lots to do. We need more recycling, we need better quality recycling. Uh, and more pe- more people recycling more things more of the time. Of course, we, we still need to do that. There's still work to do there. But we've moved on massively to where we were 20 years ago. But the consequence of essentially it all being about recycling is now that the public think it's all about recycling. So people, you know, lots of people are very concerned about the levels of packaging that the item that they buy comes in. And, and, and rightly so, but far less concerned about that item itself. And that item itself has an environmental impact. And, and this is the sort of the, 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 the convenience of recycling for a consumer society, because it is effectively, you know, waste legitimization is, you know, anything, a convenient way of incinerating things, burying it in the ground and hiding it recycling it to regenerate it into new products is fundamentally feeds the sort of consumer model and you know some of it's linear some of it's slightly circular um but as you say that ultimately not buying things is minimizing waste but it sort of runs against the consumer consumer society uh we live in so you've bitten you've, you've taken quite a big bite of the cherry there is it having an impact I think I think what you're what you're touching on there is really important because we we live in a society within a system that is all geared up to us carrying on consuming uh, as the basis of of the economy of of jobs and actually recycling doesn't really challenge that status quo which is why if you if you look back at waste policy over the last 20 years it's all about recycling and essentially we've we've reaped what we've sold in terms of people think it's all about recycling because we've made it all about recycling and and waste prevention is a massive challenge when we live in that system that's all geared up to be about carrying on consuming so that that there is a real you, you know that, that that there is absolutely a tension there but within the um, environmental sector within the NGO space there are very few people talking about um, reducing consumption, um, and we and we felt it was important to get into that space and, and talk about the message because who else is who else is saying it? But it's a very important message that that needs to be communicated. So, with Buy Nothing New Month, are you targeting specific types or uh, groups of material, types of product, or is it really taking us everywhere from a coffee cup through to a new television? When we were doing the research, we did look broadly at all of the different waste streams that tend to be targeted around waste prevention messages. So we we, we did look at food, plastics, elect- electrical and electronics, clothing and furniture. Um, but in terms of buy nothing new, we, we are tending to focus on the stuff in inverted commas that you, that, that you buy. So, so clothing electrical and electronic items furniture that that kind of you know your disposable income what you're what you're spending spending on so that's really the the focus so we, we've we've touched less on kind of single-use plastics and things because actually they're fairly well covered by 
other campaigns out there. But as I said, this is our first outing for Buy Nothing New Month and um, we are committed to to, to hopefully do, doing it again and I'm sure the campaign will will evolve over time. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 fantastic. And moving on from that then, so it's sort of interesting that Keep Britain Tidy are working, you know, very much up the waist hierarchy, but your your history is sort of steeped in as the name rather brilliantly says, keeping Britain tidy. And I think you probably fair to say started life as a, a campaigning organization to stop people dropping litter, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So that is our history. We are founded as a campaign. Uh, by the Women's Institute and, and over time have evolved. So currently we have three goals as an environmental charity. We do work to eradicate litter and reduce waste, but also work to improve the quality of local places and to help people live more, more sustainably. So we do have a very broad remit around, around the environment. And we are most famous for our work around litter. And I think that is the most visible exam- example of how we live in a wasteful society. But, you know, waste comes in in many different forms. It's not it is it is the packaging um, that gets a lot of people very worked up. And it is, it is the stuff that we buy and that we don't we don't need and we and we don't and we don't use. So, you know, we are a campaigning organisation. We're passionate about saving the environment and we need people to buy less and maximize the life of of what they do have and and that's what will cut waste more than any single measure hence why we're we're doing buy nothing new month you know we've we've begun at the end if you like with keep britain tidy um with with buy nothing new month uh, and that obviously brings us right up to date what's the sort of contemporary work that you're doing on uh, littering and then its worst guys littering fly tipping and what what's new at keep britain tidy in in the world of littering and fly tipping and and sort of hopefully avoiding that We've been doing a lot of work over the past few years around fly tipping. We work very closely with uh, local authorities across England, listening to what their local environmental priorities are and what their issues of concern. And fly tipping is consistently up there as being a huge problem and a problem which is getting worse, particularly in uh, in urban for urban local authorities. So we began programme of research around domestic fly tipping a number of years ago and um, in February of last year we compiled all of our research insights into that problem of fly tipping into a publication called uh, Beyond the Tipping Point which is available on our website and it talks about what we've found about fly tipping but also what that means for particularly for how local authorities and other land managers can try to tackle that issue. Um, so we, we we do do a lot of work to support local authorities to to tackle that problem. But that is also um, a massive issue, which at the heart of it is about people having more and more stuff. And more and more stuff means more and more stuff to dispose of. Littering, we see it every, everywhere we go. There's two million pieces dropped every single day in the UK. I think that's also Keep Britain Tidy's research. It's a huge problem. Smoking related litter is the first element, which is tends to be smaller, but then the big part of that is on the on the go food packaging. Is is littering a UK problem? I mean we have a beautiful country. We're very proud of it, I think most of us, or is littering all over the world? How could we how can we stop 
lettering? I think, you know, that's a very difficult question, but, you know, the whole reason why why Keep Britain, Britain Tidy was set up all those all those years ago. So obviously litter, you know, has been a problem for a number of years and it continues to be. Uh, and again, it's a very, a very challenging issue to which there's no magic solution. If there was, we'd have done it and we would there'd be no need for Keep Britain Tidy. I think fundamentally, you know, in modern times, there is, again, more and more stuff to to get rid of we we live our lives on the go you know we we drink and we eat on the go more and more fast food restaurants to eat at um it's how people spend their time um you know out and about eating enjoying uh, the outside and, and enjoying food etc and all of that waste has to go somewhere but you know there is a there are of course many positive things we can do around littering to, to educate people to, to nudge people in the right in the right direction um but you know it is it is upsetting when you walk around parts of this country and you see the the litter that's out there and you know other countries appear to be cleaner and have more of a culture of of not dropping litter in the in the first place with all three of these areas we're talking about in terms of fly tipping, littering um, and, and consuming less products in the first place to minimise waste, there's a lot of emphasis on the individuals to do the right thing. And in his book, The New Climate War, climatologist Michael Mann, Mike Lee Mann, argues there's too much emphasis placed on individuals to fix the planet while big businesses continue to shirk responsibility and quite often spending huge amounts of money lobbying against change and top-down regulation. And he's not arguing against getting individuals to work to help the planet because we all want to do our bit. But he argues that uh, we need a combination of both personal action and systemic change to combat climate change. And I know that Keeper and Tidy, tidy uh, are also lobbying for change. And do you think you're getting the balance right between getting the, the government to change and get policies to change versus getting people to do the right thing? I think you absolutely have to have the two. I think it's about individual ac- action and systemic change. It has to be about those about those two things. I think where the balance lies does depend on how favorable shall we say the, the the government of the day is to, to to creating that systemic change and for example around actions which would reduce littering deposit return scheme things that would reduce waste waste prevention policy what we see from the the current government is continual delay so we have to keep pushing for those changes and, and push for that systemic change but while that is delayed and 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 slow and not and not forthcoming, the other thing you've got is individual action. So we have to we have to push on those two on those two fronts. And so you mentioned um, deposit return scheme there. One of my questions: Will it help address littering? If you wouldn't mind for our listeners, if you explain what deposit return scheme is and as in the recycling industry annoyingly call it another three-letter acronym drs uh what is the how does the deposit thing work and how does it sort of impact on packaging and potentially littering so deposit return scheme is where when you buy an item that that could potentially be littered so the the best example would be a drinks container you know you've bought you've bought a can or you've bought a plastic bottle or a glass bottle 
is that there will be a small additional charge levied on that thing that you're buying, but that you would get that charge back when you return the item. So there is suddenly uh, an, an incentive for the uh, consumer to return that item rather than litter it. So we've been pushing for implementation of deposit return uh, scheme for some time and we'll continue to, to do so because all of the evidence from around the world shows that this is likely to um, massively bring down littering because you know people your drinks containers would be would be littered less often perhaps up to degrees of around 90 percent and that actually those kinds of heavily branded instantly recognizable drinks containers when they are littered tend to act as what we call beacons of litter well, they're very visible and they tend to attract more litter along with it. So actually, if you can reduce that litter, you're likely to reduce litter across the board. So we do believe that uh, a deposit return scheme would create an effective mechanism for changing changing behaviour. And we're particularly lobbying for an all-in deposit return scheme, which means we're talking about all kind of different, different sizes of uh, drinks containers and also including plastic aluminium cans and glass as well and um, the government's indicated they may not include glass in the scheme which we we, we believe would be uh, a big mistake and would people would organizations such as keep britain tidy get a, a proportion of that money to help campaign to promote keeping britain tidy and anti-littering and using the deposit scheme properly or is that sort of not on the cards for you I mean obviously you'd love to get all of the money but is that something that's a possibility yeah I think that would possibly be more of an element of um, extended producer responsibility which is another policy that kind of sits alongside deposit return schemes but that and actually that that policy would would represent a huge change in in how waste management is organized and and funded within the UK but extended producer responsibility is the idea that the companies that produce the packaging would bear the cost of of dealing with it, and and in that sense, there there, there should be an incentive there to move to materials which are more easily recyclable and have lower environmental impact. But again, the government has the signs around extended produce responsibility is that litter on the ground, the costs of clearing litter on the ground would not be included within extended produce responsibility, which at Keeper and Tidy, we believe it absolutely should be. And that's an, an, an element of the funds that are collected through extended producer responsibility should be used to fund uh, communications and education around anti-littering messages. So if you could have, just on the sort of rounding up the policy element of things, if you could have a, a one-to-one with Rishi Sunak or Sakir, what key messages would you land on them to help us reduce our consumption to buy nothing new month? I think to really try to convey to them the importance of of looking at consumption. So we can take strides in this country to switch to, to cleaner energy, to move away from fossil fuels. But if we just outsource the stuff that we make to China and don't count those emissions in our carbon footprint, you know, we've, we've, we've not achieved a whole whole lot so we really need to look at the resources that we're using as a country the emissions that we're responsible for as a country which is not necessarily about the energy that we're just using here it's about what we're what we're buying 
from from elsewhere and look at that in the round and particularly to have targets around reducing our resource consumption targets to bring to bring that down absolute at absolute levels not relative to how the economy is doing or relative to the number of people we've got etc actual ways of bringing down the resources that we that we use that is how we're going to reduce our impact on the environment and bring down our carbon emissions and that's what we're talking about when we're talking about consumption we're talking about the way the way we live and the resources and the carbon associated with that and the real need the real need to look at that and make progress on that not to think that just you know putting all your eggs in the basket of recycling is enough to get us out of the mess that we're in we're not going to recycle our way out of the climate and nature emergency and that really needs to be to be understood and alongside that you know there are very difficult difficult issues difficult uh, as I mentioned before you know our society is all geared up around consuming let's consume more let's buy more stuff you're you're bombarded with adverts all of the time on 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 an increasing number of channels about you know buying new stuff so any message around buying buying nothing new is trying to shout against that very very loud foghorn pushing people to continually buy buy new things and that's very difficult for one environmental charity like Keep Britain Tidy to to fight against it needs to be recognized more broadly by government by policymakers to create that systemic change that we talked about where we do live good lives that, you know, we're, we're, we're well fed and we have warm homes and we can get about and we can enjoy positive things about life. But it isn't just about buying, 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 having more and more and more stuff. First Mile is the UK's leading waste management service. We help over 30,000 businesses reduce their carbon impact with our award-winning range of recycling solutions. Go to our website, which is thefirstmile.co.uk to get started today. If you're enjoying this episode, don't forget to subscribe. We have brand new episodes every Wednesday. Anna, we're sort of, it's such a fascinating subject. I mean, we've got gone into it in, in huge depth and thank you. How on earth did you become... A climate hero. How did you get involved in Keep Britain Tidy? You've got two degrees, Chartered Institute of Waste Manager. How, how did you get piqued by this subject and, and get so involved in um, resource management? When I was a child, watched Blue Peter, and there was a lot of coverage of environmental issues at that time. Uh, and I was just, you know, interested in it, concerned about it, wanted to, wanted to do what you know, wanted to know what I could do as a as a as a person, as a child. So, you know, so it's an interest through childhood. And then I did a biology degree. So, you know, and then there was an element of the the, the environment in that. And then after after that I wanted to do uh, I wanted to do a PhD. I wanted to study this field more. So so that's what I did. And then having done a PhD decided I didn't want to work in academia. I wanted to do something more practical. So I joined a charity um, called Waste Watch, which was all about reduce, reuse, recycle. Um, and then a few years later, that charity became part of Keep Britain Tidy, which is how 
we brought the kind of the waste agenda, waste and recycling agenda came in to keep to keep Britain tidy. And then I've been there for 13, 13 years. I'm sure you when you talk to other people who work in waste, it's just fascinating. And there's always something new to learn about, you know, something you didn't know. So it just continually keeps me interested. And, and everyone's got something to say about waste because everyone has it. And, and, and gets rid of it. And, you know, so if you say you work in this sector, I'm sure you must get it all the time. Everyone's got that, oh, like, you know. There's no shortage of it. We get everyone else's problems to figure out. Um, compostables we didn't touch on. So if we ban plastics, I've heard, well, let me let me rephrase it. I've, I've heard people saying, well, let's move everything to compostables because then littering isn't a problem. So if we check the material out the window, it'll just decompose and disappear into nature anyway. Presumably that it just isn't the case because it's going to sit around for months, years anyway before it disappears. Is that causing a problem for the littering debate? Is compostables causing us a problem? I think, I think it just muddies the water. You know, the compostable stuff is compostable under certain circumstances. And that circumstances is, is not necessarily composting in a bush because that's where you've thrown, thrown your litter. And anyway, litter's still litter. Litter is something that shouldn't be there. So I still think that's, that's an issue. And I think it's muddying the water because on a wider scale, we'd be talking about needing to implement industrial composting to deal with the quantities of takeaway packaging, for example, that if it's swapped from plastic to, to compostable. So, you know, you can you can buy compostable packaging, but when you put it in your bin, it's still going to landfill or it's still going to energy from waste, depending on how your council deals with its waste. It's 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 not going for for composting. And um, you know, for years I had a had a wormery to deal with my food waste before I moved somewhere that has a food waste collection. And my husband put in a compostable plastic bottle. And I said, why have you put that in? Well, because it, it says it's compostable. I was like, it will not compost. Yes, it will, he said. I was like, okay, you know, let, let's see, shall we? Let, let, let's see. And of course, it, it stayed exactly the same. You know, the worm, the worm said no. And I said, you know, I'm the chartered waste manager. I told you it wouldn't compost. But, you know, there you Brilliant. go. So compostables isn't the, isn't the, uh, the, the, the answer necessarily. And then the final quick question is this idea being kicked around quite a bit now, I'm sure you've heard of it, where some people, campaigners are saying that it's now possible, number plate recognition is so good. If you go through a drive through restaurant, coffee, burgers, whatever, it's possible now as the food on the go is handed over to print on every single piece of packaging or most of the piece of packaging, the number plate for the person who picked it up and then if that ends up in the in the ditch two miles down the motorway we can trace it back to the person who bought it is that something that's been taken forward is it actually a reality or bad idea i mean i think the technology is there and is developing all of the time so i think this will become more and more of an option on the table you know but like any enforcement measure it's it's part of the mix we need robust, fair enforcement. We need more reusable systems so that, you know, you, you, you haven't got that, that litter. It's not single use to be thrown away, it's to be reused. And we need behavioural change. We need people not to want to throw their litter as well as being caught and fined if they do. 
Yeah, and it could act as part of the deterrent. Anna, it's been brilliant having you on the show. Before you go, I've got two things. One is I'm going to get you to tell all the listeners how to find out about Buy Nothing New Month. So if you'd like to tell us where we can hear more about that, it'd be really uh, helpful for everyone listening. Yeah, if you go to keepbritintidy.org slash Buy Nothing New Month, which has got some hyphens in, uh, or, or just Google it, uh, keep Britain tidy by nothing new month and you'll you'll find our page where you can sign up and if you follow us on social media across january lots of um tips and tricks about what buy nothing new is how to do it why it's important uh and to inspire uh inspire you to get involved and you know on social media please use the hashtag buy nothing new month um and tell us about what you're doing to buy nothing new On this show, we're building a hall of fame for climate heroes, and we always ask our wonderful guests to leave something in First Mile's Climate Heroes Hall of Fame. So, what or who would it be? Well, I've got two. You can you can choose. As a thing, I would put the bicycle, but in particular, a bicycle plus a child seat or a trailer or way basically ways to get around on a cycle with your children. So I started cycling with my children four years ago, having not cycled in London and being quite fearful of it. And it's amazing um, for all, you know, all sorts of reasons, which I'm sure your listeners will be very well aware of. Health, well-being, no carbon, you know, all of those wonderful things that come along with, with cycling with your children. But Cargo bike, love it. Yes. Person... And you may think this is maybe being a bit political, but I'm going to put uh, the leader of the Labour Party, Keir Starmer, in on the basis that if he becomes uh, the next prime minister, that what the Labour Party have said around their plans, around energy policy, are finally, in my view, starting to get somewhere near the scale and the urgency by which we need to move. So there's a lot of ifs around that, around him being the climate hero. But, you know, if he was, if Labour Party is to become the next party of government and, and if they enact what they've been talking about and if they actually do it, they can achieve it, we'll have moved on. Well, we don't feel, really feel like we've had an energy policy for about 30 years. So I think that would be a fantastic thing in there. So we welcome Sir Keir Starmer into our Climate Heroes Hall of Fame. Anna, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much for your time. Um, and uh, really good luck with uh, Buy Nothing New Month. It'll be fascinating hearing about that and everything you do at Keep Britain Tidy. Thank you very much, Bruce. I've, uh, I've enjoyed it. Thank you. I'm Bruce Bratley, and you've been listening to First Miles Climate Heroes, where we meet incredible people making an impact to tackle climate change. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and subscribe to the show. We have brand new episodes every Wednesday.